Nobody is watching you as closely as you think. They're not going, oh my gosh, she just changed her title again. What the heck? She's changed her brand colors three times. Like, nobody cares about us as much as we think. Vicky Gold is a marketing and book coach and now the founder of her very own publishing house. At this point, she has written 10 bestsellers and helps entrepreneurs get their books written in the shortest amount of time possible so they can get to the fun part, promoting it. So much accomplishment, such a fun person to be around. And yet, the mindset issue monster keeps plaguing her at every turn. Sometimes I go straight for clients and I'm like, oh my gosh, what if they don't like the book? What if it's not good enough? What if they hate it? What if they don't like how I wrote it? You know, all of that junk, like that comes up for everybody. Yeah. It's what you do with those things that come up in your head that matter more. My name is Ina Coveney. I'm the online presence expert for coaches and I get to not just be plagued, but attacked by the mindset monster every single day. It comes to show that it doesn't matter how outgoing you are, how long you've been in business, or how self-aware you are, you will very likely face the biggest challenge of all in growing your business, your own mindset. And after listening to Vicky's story, your challenges will seem even smaller. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts in the car while the kids are screaming in the back and you can barely hear me, hand the phone to your partner now and have them submit a five-star review and say something nice. It really helps support the show. And thanks. Here's our interview with your fun book coach and six-figure business owner, Vicky Gold. This is The Global Phenomenon with Ina Kovany, the podcast where the self-made teach you to stop waiting to be discovered and prepare to be found. Hello, everyone. Today, I have my dear friend, Vicky Gold on the podcast. Hi, Vicky. Hi. So Vicky, I, I was just telling you I love the red hair. Thank you. You were telling me like you usually go for purple. I'm like, it looks fabulous. Yes, I usually go for purple. They didn't have it. So, you know, it was one of those buy one, get one, 50% off things. So <laughs> I wanted to just, I wanted to even bring it up because I have this dream. It's a dream that I've had for years to just to dye my hair like Raggedy Ann red, like bright red. Twinsies. Oh my God. Like that, that's just a dream. I once went into a salon and I told them, Make me blonde. Like, I want to walk out of here a blonde. I've already made my decision. I'm going to change my hair, make me blonde. They spent 45 minutes talking me out of it. <laughs> and then I walked away with highlights. How, do you, how did you start coloring your hair? Where did that come from? Well, you know what's funny is that um, <laughs> my mom claims that there's some sort of white blood on my dad's side um, because they were descendants of the Shang dynasty and you know, they took concubines and whatever. Right. So I always had red highlights in my hair. Mm -hmm. People used to think like before the streaking thing was in, my hair was like that. And people thought that I did it. Like teenager, whatever, everybody thought. And in the sun, you could always see. So I have just naturally red highlights. And every once in a while, I would find a blonde hair. It's yeah. totally not true because I did the whole DNA thing. It's 99.9% .9 Mongolian. <laughs> the, like the 0.1% that my mom claims is some sort of, you know, thing from my dad's side of the family. It's yeah. not true. But um, 
yeah, that's where it started. And then I just started doing like streaks and stuff. And I've always loved the red and purple hues. And now that there's actually gray in there with it. Yeah. I can't and, um, the whole thing. Right. That, that's where we all end up and like, yeah, I'm just looking for a change. And like, no, the gray's decided to appear. So well, I you know of... when the, the gray was like in for a little while, right? And I thought, okay, I'm just going to grow it out. And I probably grew it out to about here and then I couldn't handle it anymore. <laughs> like, okay, forget it. I'm just going like, back to this thing. Like now, and now with the pandemic, a lot of women find themselves just doing that anyway, like some people just going natural, which I totally applaud. It's like, yeah, this is what human beings look like, you know? So yeah, it takes me a while to get back to the salon and actually do it. But um, Vicky, I'm so happy that you're here. We're really going to dive into your story. And so you've published multiple books, more than 10 books. You've been featured on TEDx. You've been on ABC, CBS. I mean, you are really at the top of your game. You are the words lady. If anybody out there is listening to me, you want to write a book, you go to vickygold.com and see what is going on with her right there. But I want to get everybody who's listening right now, who wants to reach that level of success, who wants to be introduced in a podcast that way, right? With this is, uh, you know, international best-selling author and uh, yeah, like people who want to really like get that, you know, in the next five years, they have that goal in their mind. They want to figure out what they're supposed to be doing right now. So I want to really dive into your story and we're going to go way back. I want to start with remember when you were a normal person. (laughs) Remember when you were an average person who was going to go to college and get a job and get a family and then retire and then live somewhere in Florida. That was going to be your life. Tell us what was life like then and what happened? What was that pivot point that got you to say, wait a minute, there's a better way to do this. I want to know about that pivot point. <laughs> well, you know, most of my family just think of me as a normal person still. I'm like, I have to tell them, I am famous. <laughs> I'm famous. Like, we know well, better, Vicky. We know better. My husband, when I was getting there, I guess, I don't know that I've arrived, but um, as I was growing, he would ask me the next, so are you more famous today than you were yesterday? I'm like, as a matter of fact, I am. So, you know, it's true. I, I grew up in a very typical Asian, you know, first generation American household. And my mom told me I wasn't allowed to go to art school. Aww. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go to art school. Um, and she said, no, you're going to be a starving artist. You're going to be a poor pauper. You can't do that. So I did the very Asian thing and got an actuarial math degree. Of course. You know, all Asians are good at math. That's what Um, you do. Yeah, that's what you do. And that's what I did. And I got into computers and finance and stuff like that. And then when I had my daughter, I was like, yeah, you know what? I came, I saw, I conquered. This really isn't happiness. This isn't really it. Um, And then that's when I got sick. You know that uh, I have my Lyme disease story. Tell us a little bit more about like how that how that happened? So back in 2009, I was diagnosed with chronic Lyme disease and they had misdiagnosed me first with lupus and, Mm -hmm. you know, a bunch of other like early onset osteoarthritis, early onset perimenopause. I was like, Hey, I'm precocious. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, But I wasn't even 40 yet, you know, and I'm thinking, what the heck, what is going on? Is this really what life is going to be like? Because I was spending about 16 to 18 hours in bed every day. Mm -hmm. 
and felt like a loser mom, a loser wife. My little guy would come up to me like, mama, can you go to my school party tomorrow? And I'd be like, baby, I'm really not up to it. And I remember sitting there thinking, gosh, is he, is he going to grow to resent me? Is he going to really know how much I wanted to go? Um, you know, and, and those nights I would spend crying on the bathroom floor. Yeah. And that was because I didn't want to, to wake up my husband. I didn't want him to know how upset I was, but those were the days that I was like, either I, I'm going to take my life or I got to figure this out yeah. because there was no quality. There was nothing left for me to live for. And I kept going, if this is truly what life is like, and the doctor's telling me to suck it up, I don't want this. Yeah. You know, it wasn't that I wanted to be dead. I wanted to be here for my grandkids, for you know, great grandkids to do a whole bunch of things that I hadn't done yet. Like one of my dreams was going to Paris. I just hadn't gone there, but the way things were going, I thought I'm never going to get there. Yeah. And that is when I became a master herbalist. You've heard that story, I think, too, that uh, I, I was like, okay, wait a minute. There's all these people who have written these books, have these awesome stories about having Crohn's or cancer or whatever. And lo and behold, they got out of it. So who is the doctor to say that I can't? Right. So I started to believe more in myself, not into the doctors. I did a whole bunch of things that I didn't tell them I did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, tried a whole bunch of like alternative modalities and stuff, which I'm really into still at this time. And I, I do, I take a bowl full of pills every day to maintain. And I do a lot of self-care to maintain. People are like, oh, you're lucky that you can. I'm like, yeah, in some ways it's very true. I am lucky that I can. On the other hand, if I don't, I can't do what I want to do. Yeah. So um, anyways, that's, that's what happened there with Lyme. And I became a, a health coach. I became a, a wellness coach because I thought I went through that story because I was like, I'm going to go save the world. Dude. I'm going to eradicate Lyme disease. I'm going to help all these people. And I realized mm -hmm. that was not the calling. Let me, let me, and, and I'm going to pause your story right there. There's tons to unpack here. First of all, just like a, a PSA out there that I think that everybody should really hear is that you heard the diagnosis several times, like misdiagnosed with, you know, with lupus at first, then, okay, you have Lyme disease and there's nothing you can do about it because there's no protocol. There's no treatment. There's just, everybody just suffers from it differently. Everybody, not even, not even everybody has the same um, the same ailments and the same pains, everybody experiences in a different way. So you're like, okay, so is, is that it? Like I, so I want everybody to get from this that yes, listen to doctors. Yes. Go to the doctor, but always be your best advocate, yeah. right? Always be the one really seeking those answers. If you're not satisfied, keep looking into it. And I know that probably I got a whole lot of doctors who are listening to me rolling their eyes like, oh, geez, I'm going to get my patients now coming with a Google sheet telling me one more thing that they found. But it's true. It's so important to be your best, your best, your only advocate, the person that really cares about you. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, I'm so glad that you went down that path. Yeah. I, you know, it, it was a matter of, am I going to settle for this or do I really think there's more to life? Is yeah. there more for me out there? And I truly believe that there was more out there for me. And there's a lot to be said about mental stuff too. You know, there's a lot of stories out there about the power of positivity. And at first mm -hmm. I used to roll my eyes about whatever, I'm going to be positive and it's just going to go away. And, and there's a lot of truth in that because yeah. your cells are are listening to you mm -hmm. you know there there's a lot going on inside your body your body regenerates itself like i could go we could talk about that for five hours but yeah. you know you have to decide whether it's a health thing or any other type of struggle are you willing to settle for what your life is going to be if you stay where you are yeah and yeah. i think too many people in the world we just settle we just go okay this is all there is 
this is the best that there is. This is all we can do. Don't really feel like trying, you know, get out of my comfort zone. Like it wasn't comfortable at all to go try these things and be like, oh my gosh, am I going to kill myself <laughs> trying these weird things instead of helping me? Um, but I did them because I wanted what was at, on the other side. Yeah. Can I ask you, since yeah. we are paused at the moment where you said, okay, I'm, I'm going to be a health coach then. It yeah. just makes perfect sense. I want to ask you, just go back just a little bit. What was your job situation like at like? At which point were you working? At which point did you stop working? At which point the disease came? At which point you became a health coach? Help us with that timeline. Yeah. So I always had this side gig going on ever mm -hmm. since college. So I, I would work my normal nine to five. I always had a side gig because I wanted to be an artist, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So I always had this creative side working with my hands and stuff like that. So I, I think I told you I was in computers and IT. I did database. I was a statistician. I was a stockbroker. I did mortgages. And that was the last job that I had. I was a mortgage broker and I sold money to banks, which I find very funny. Um, and it was for mortgages, right? Well, that company in 2007 went under. So here I am midway through 2007, have no job. Um, and I was doing stuff on the side. I was already making jewelry. In fact, this is one of the things that I, that I wire wrapped and made. I don't think you can see it, but anyways, it's a little bird's nest with different um, Swarovski pearls that represent my kids and my husband and me. Oh. Um, so anyways, uh, I had this wholesale order in, it was like late spring, early summer. And if you know me, I just have to like kill the deadlines, right? Like I am a, we don't meet the deadlines. We exceed the deadlines, man. Yeah. You know, so I had these wholesale reps and I had my jewelry in um, galleries across the U.S. Wow. And I had this big order in. And it was, um, you know, making multiples of the same thing, which wasn't really that fun, but I'm like, crank it out, Vicky, crank it out. Let's faster, faster. This is how my mother was with my multiplication tables. She's like flashcarding me. She's like, nope, not fast enough. Nope, not fast enough. Do it again. You know, anyway, so that's what I was doing with these jewelry pieces. It was like, just do it faster, do it faster. Well, it came a point where like, I couldn't move my arm anymore. Mm. I'm like, what is up with my arm? And it was like, oh, crap. Now I've done something to my right hand because I'm right-handed. And I'm like, I'm going to have to learn to be left-handed, which actually I wasn't too upset about because like all my life I had wanted to be ambidextrous. So I'm like, hey, nice time to be ambidextrous. Went to the doctor and they're like, there's nothing wrong with you. Here's an exercise band, whatever. But that was the indica first indication that there was something up with me because it was all joint related. Yeah. Um, and it was almost like they all seized up in a way, right? And so then um, it was by fall. And for, for most people who are diagnosed with chronic Lyme disease, it takes them many years to get there. And while I probably suffered for many years with like headaches that lasted for months, but I ignore them because as women, we tend to do things like that. Oh, let's just push through it. You know, mm -hmm. um, I probably suffered for a good seven years, but it wasn't until this time when I couldn't even use my hands anymore that I was like, okay, now I need to go do something about this, right? Mm -hmm. I have all these aches and pains. It's not working. My brain is foggy. Um, but my diagnosis to chronic Lyme disease was actually pretty swift 
from that time in comparison to other people. Yes, I was misdiagnosed with lupus and yes, I was misdiagnosed with fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue and arthritis and all those other things. But it was by fall that I figured out and the doctors figured out that it was Lyme disease. Um, And I had to give up making jewelry. And it still makes me sad because every so often I'll, I'll pick it back up and go, maybe I can do it. Nope, still can't do it. Yes. So, um, you know, some of those pieces that I sold in galleries, I'm like, I hope those people really appreciate it. I wish I could get them back, you know, all of that. But um, anyways, that's what I was doing prior to my Lyme disease diagnosis mm-hmm. is, you know, I had, I had that job as a mortgage broker, um, got laid off. And then during that layoff time, I really amped up the stuff, even though I was already doing it. Um, and I was, I like to think I was somebody in that world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I sold patterns and, you know, did stuff like that in the forums and groups. And that was like, oh my gosh, before Facebook, we had yeah. different forums um, that weren't on Facebook. It's so weird. Yeah. The, the I remember, website. I remember the forums. Uh-huh. So yeah. let me, so let me ask you so far then, you've had technically two businesses already. You've been into the art world and you're like, I I would like to think that I was somebody. So like you were growing this, you had your stuff in galleries across the United States. Then came the the illness and then came finding out about uh, herbology, right? And and what would would the cure look like? And like, okay, I'm going to be a health and wellness coach because it makes total sense. So, so far that's two businesses in, tell me what happened with the wellness coaching and how yeah. did that turn? You're the words lady. You're the story lady. You are, you help people write their books. Yeah. I am very curious to know how you went from that business into this one. And yeah. there were any more in It was an accident. And <laughs> of course it was an accident. What happened? So, um, I wrote a book. Uh, you know, about my Lyme disease journey. I wrote another book for my master herbalist. Uh, I guess it was a final project type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so that book is like profiles of the, my favorite herbs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wrote those two books. Self-published? Self-published. Mm-hmm. It was a complete disaster. It was uh... a complete flop. The, the cover is like, oh, if you could have seen the first cover of that book, I was like, orange and green are symbols of health. Let's make it orange and green. It was peach and green really is what happened. I showed it to my daughter and she's like, this is the most disgusting combination of colors ever. I'm like, oh, no, I don't know no. what you're talking about. You know, so I went ahead and did that. Um, the cover in my head, I really wish I still had it. It was peach and it had a green like box in the middle, but it was kind of framed with some fancy thing because I thought that made it look good. Anyways, it was a complete disaster. I, I launched it and I was like, everybody needs this book. It's going to be so awesome. Nothing. Nothing Crickets. happened. No sales. No cricket. They're like, what the heck? What is wrong with people? They need this. What is wrong with people? And then I was like, oh my gosh, nobody's going to read it. Fine. You know? And, and then I thought, oh crap, what if somebody reads it? Maybe it's not very good. Maybe that's what the problem is. You know? And I had all these thoughts that went through my head. Well, eventually um, I got somebody to help me and I figured out how to do the marketing and such. So I relaunched that book and it did get to bestseller. I never relaunched the herbal book. Um, didn't really need to. But anyways, um, at that point, I was still moving through, like trying to figure out this whole, am I a wellness coach? Am I not? Am I, you know, mm-hmm. The problem with being a wellness coach in the chronic illness 
arena is that you have to relive your life and you have to relive the stories of everybody. And I didn't know how to uh, put a boundary, I guess, in those emotions of mine. And I told my husband, I just can't live here anymore. I don't, I, I can't keep reliving this. I don't want to keep doing it. I know that I could help people, but for my own sanity, my emo own emotional sake, I can't do this anymore. So um, people started asking me about how are you getting these people? Like I had a huge community. People would always be referring people to me. Mm -hmm. um, but as well, a lot of people with Lyme have lost their jobs. Their spouses are divorcing them. They don't have money. And I wasn't making, I made $197. It was yeah. awesome. <laughs> $197 from one person, but one yeah. consultation. And I think it was partially because she just kind of felt sorry that she hadn't paid me at all. Anyway, um, people kept coming to me asking, well, I'm just telling stories. I'm just sharing my story, you know? So I became the storytelling marketing coach. And then people said, well, now I want you to help me with your, my book. And I said, I don't do that. That's not what I do. I help people with marketing and storytelling and whatever. And one of my friends said to me, um, Vicki, how is that any different? Well, what do you mean? How is helping somebody with their story inside a book different than story marketing? I was like, um, I don't know. <laughs> and, and so then I said, okay, fine. I'll just start saying yes. And that's when I started saying yes to book coaching. And how long ago was this? This was four years ago, August, July, September, somewhere around there. Yeah, four years ago. Can you describe your program a little bit for everybody who's listening so they know exactly what you do and how you help people? Yes, it is a complete soup to nuts. And I didn't realize people don't understand what soup to nuts means. But I said that the other day. I'm like, what? Nobody knows what that means? It's a complete package. Um, Got from it. First word. To I, from idea for your concept for your book. And it does have to be a book that ties into your business. I only work with people who want to use their book as part of their business marketing, you know, stuff. So figuring out the topic from first word to last word, completing the whole entire thing. I have a uh, framework for that proprietary framework for that. And then the marketing and launching and publishing plan to get mm -hmm. that book on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Apple iBooks, e-libraries, all of that stuff, market it to bestseller, mm -hmm. and then um, get use it to get consistent clients. So the purpose of the books are to grow your list, grow your community, grow your reach, create more impact and legacy, and turn those readers into clients. Mm -hmm. So we do the whole thing from beginning to end. From and soups to nuts. Soups to nuts. From soups to nuts. So one thing that I hear a lot is that there's a ton of people who are listening to us right now who want to start their businesses. They've been thinking about it, mulling it over for so long, but because the idea hasn't stopped evolving in their mind, they feel like they're not ready to put it out there yet. No, if I'm still letting it cook and, and I just changed my mind three times this week in my mind, then clearly the idea is not ready for me to work on it. Now, you are, you've come here and told us you've already had at least three types of businesses, if not four, by, you know, pivoting the story to book writing. So can you please help me help our listeners understand that evolving in real life is a lot more fruitful than just evolving in your head? Please. Well, yeah. well, 
here's a thing you didn't know because you told everybody to go to vickygold.com. August, I launched a publishing house. So it's Morning Oak Publishing. So there's actually morningoakpublishing.com that holds all the book stuff. And vickygold.com is more about law of attraction, um, collapsing time, you know, marketing, social media, storytelling, you know, stuff like that. Um, so, <laughs> I don't know if you saw me rolling my eyes when you were saying stuff. I'm like, you're never going to be ready. You're never going to be ready. Just put it out there. Everything evolves. Nobody is watching you as closely as you think. They're not going, oh my gosh, she just changed her title again. What the heck? She's changed her brand colors three times. Like, nobody cares about us as much as we think. Like, I don't mean that to be mean, but nobody's watching us as much as we think that they are. Mm -hmm. My sister actually just recently got on Facebook. I am her only Facebook friend. <laughs> so apparently she sees every darn last post because her timeline looks like my personal timeline because I'm her only friend. Right. So she's helping a company to market their stuff. And so she sees that and sponsored posts and whatever that come through. And she's like, oh my gosh, Vicki, you're so right. I'm putting stuff out there thinking that everybody who's on my business page is seeing what I'm putting out there and they're not because I'm watching my timeline and you're there and this is there, whatever. She's like totally missing stuff. I'm like, yeah, because whenever we put stuff out, we think, oh, 5,000 people just saw it. Nope, they didn't. And if they did, they probably scrolled by fairly quickly. They didn't care about us as much as we think. So this whole idea of I got to be perfect before I go out, you're going to be waiting forever to be perfect. I com forever. completely agree with it. And so can you help us understand what is your philosophy on pivoting on businesses? You, oh you've done, you just, don't. If, if you don't flub up, you're not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. You have to fail. You have to screw up. You have to be okay with that. And I don't know necessarily that it's so much of a pivot as an evolution of stuff. Like sometimes people are like making these big announcements, right? I figure such and such out. Just, just do it. Just go do it. It doesn't have to be this grandiose announcements or whatever. Just go do it. I am so happy. I'm like, you're like, like, so you're like, yes. Oh my God. Yes. Preach it. Because, um, so when, when I started my business, it was, I was making websites and I, I made my first website for free. Uh, and then it just started to get, it just started to snowball. Then I found out more about online marketing. I wanted to put myself out there, but yeah, that's one thing that I discovered is that perfectionism wasn't going to get me anywhere. So I would just put yeah. things out there. And to this day, like the global phenomenon started from a conversation with my coach where yeah. I said, I want to be a global phenomenon. And, and immediately it just clicked. I'm like, that's a brand. That's where we're going. That night I bought the domain and I recorded a video. I wasn't even wearing makeup. It was one of my like hashtag. Like, oh, oh my gosh. No, I wasn't wearing makeup. I'm not even sure I was wearing a bra. To be honest, like it was just me in my office. I'm like, I just bought the domain. I don't want anybody to take it. I want people to know what this is. So I record, I just turned on live. I recorded a video, put it on the website. That's all that website was. It said, yeah. welcome to the global phenomenon and a video of me saying, this is what we stand for. No makeup, ponytails, crunchy. Like, I don't know what That's this is going to look like yet, but this yeah. is something. Just yeah. wait. Yeah. So, to me, just taking action and watching the idea evolve in front of you is just so much more impactful because you can actually 
people to listen little by little. And this is one of the biggest problems when I teach podcasting that people are so worried about, well, I should have 10 episodes batched up. I should know exactly what I'm going to be talking about, who I'm going to be talking to and, and like all these things. Right. And like, wait, but as soon as I put it live, people are going to hear me and they're going to know that. <laughs> If getting too many listens <laughs> on your first episode is your biggest problem, right? You're alone. You yeah. are yeah. alone. Well, in the, that. the same thing, right? With courses, I gotta finish my whole entire course, and let me get these videos done in, in like some professional way, and let me do this. Uh, just get one module done and sell the sucker. Yeah. The first I time it. I put out Easy Writer, I was building the plane as if it was flying. Mm -hmm. I I had like ideas for each of the modules. And I had maybe one or two done. I sold that thing and then I made it as we went. And that, that just do it. Like, I, I think so too often we get like so paralyzed in this action thing. Yeah. It's got to look a certain way. Yeah. It's got to feel a certain way. It's got to, no, you know what? The most successful people aren't the ones who had it all together. They are the ones who took action no matter if it was perfect or not. Exactly. And just as a sidebar, because I know people are going, oh, yeah, Vicki, that's easy for you. You just blah, 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 blah. Everything's easy for you. Because I've heard that before. I'm like, oh, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute here. I grew up in a very Asian, very Asian household. Nothing I did was good enough. If yeah. you got an A, you should have got an A+. Plus. If you got an A+, plus, it better be 100%. Like, nothing was ever good enough. Talk about like coming out and feeling like, oh my gosh, is it going to be good enough? Is it good? And that, that mm -hmm. monster rears its ugly head all the time. Sometimes I go straight for clients, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, what if they don't like the book? What if it's not good enough? What if they hate it? What if they don't like how I wrote it? You know, all of that junk, like that comes up for everybody. Yeah. It's what you do with those things that come up in your head that matter more than the things that are actually coming up. Are they going to stop you or are they going to fuel you? Are you going to look at this thing and go, okay, this is what I can do now with what I have and let's just do that. And then as we go, we're going to do X, Y, Z and add on to it or learn whatever it is you want to learn and just keep building on it. Mm -hmm. Like it, you can't just, you can't wait forever because you're going to be waiting forever. Yeah, I am 100% with you. Um, I have been, I, I was, I'm I can't really call myself a perfectionist anymore because I feel like I'm a recovering perfectionist. At first, it was just like that. It's like, no, it has to be perfect. When I first launched my business, this was two and a half years ago, what was on my mind? I need to create an online course right? And I've taken enough courses to know what that's like. I spent months pouring over these videos and making sure that it was perfect. You guys, months of my life where I wasn't making any money because I wasn't marketing anything because I wasn't selling anything because I'm like, no, I need to finish my course. I finally buckled down and finished it. I sold all of four copies, four, right? Where most of them, like most of them, if not all of them were discounted, right? Because they were like some kind of like early bird right? They were like this. And then you packed it with a bunch of bonuses. And, right? A million <laughs> bonuses. And in the end, after I finished that and after I did a couple of launches, I started to pivot. I started to, or like you said, like I started to evolve. I'm like, well, I don't want to teach just anybody how to create a WordPress site. Actually, I care more about people living the life 
they want. So I started doing some one-on-one coaching and I took away the website. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to make websites anymore. I'm just going to do the coaching. And then I felt like, well, I really feel like it's a disservice. Me having 20 years of experience on web making, it's a disservice to my clients to not tap into that expertise. So then I brought back the website into the program. And then after I had done that for several clients, several one-on-one clients, I'm like, you guys, I find myself every single day saying the same thing to different clients. It makes sense to group them so that I only say this thing once. Yeah. And that's where the course, the, the program began, but I didn't have all the videos ready. In fact, it was kind of embarrassing. I put my course out there and I sold it and I couldn't keep up with the creation of the intro videos. Like I had the meat videos, right? This is what I'm teaching you today, but I had these cute intro videos like, hi, this is what you're going to learn. And they were highly edited and they had like flashy things. And halfway through the program, I, I didn't have time to edit these videos anymore. And it turned out that it didn't matter because the people (laughs) were in the program. They were not there to watch me, you know, with the intro videos. They were there for the meat of it. So they didn't care. The next iteration, I brought the little videos because I had more time to finish them. But those people who were there when I couldn't give them the perfect course, they're still my biggest promoters, my biggest fans, like the best people ever, right? So they like to watch you evolve. They like to see how you handle certain situations. You just go and do it. Um, and I wanted to ask you because you, you brought up, you're like, I'm from a very Asian family. My family's all like, hey, this has got to be perfect. This has got to be perfect. I'd love to know what your parents thought about your own career path. Like, Oh what's... my gosh, my mother has no clue what I do right now. She has right. absolutely no clue. My sister knows, my dad's kind of, but they don't even follow me. Like yeah. just the other day, my mom says to me, how did those people on YouTube make money? I said, well, they get subscribers, followers, whatever, you know, and then they get sponsors. And so I'm explaining this thing. Of course, she thinks I don't know what I'm talking about. She doesn't understand that I know social media. She doesn't understand that I know about YouTube. So she's like, bah, sponsors. That's really just not, you know, that's not going to work, whatever. So I had sent her this video of this Vietnamese mom and daughter team. Um, I don't know if you've heard of them. It's Hello, Honey. And they are hysterical. Okay. So my mom doesn't think that they're hysterical. But um, hope they don't listen to this. But it doesn't matter. Anyways, uh, she. If they do, I'm sure. I'm sure they know what they got. You guys are good. We love you. I think they're amazing. But my mom, she's very. She's just judgmental. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bless her heart. She's judgmental. She's Asian. So anyway, she she's got this idea that that we're going to be the next YouTube sensation. Yeah. She says to me, you know. I'm too old for a second career, but somehow she thinks she's saving me. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is the part that's hilarious Mm -hmm. because she doesn't know what I do. She doesn't know how much I make. She doesn't know how successful I am. I'm like, I'm thinking, mom, if you Google my name, I come up on entrepreneur.com. Like, hello. Anyways, not to brag or anything, just that my mother hasn't Googled my name. So she has no clue. And she says, we're going to do this and we're going to have this backdrop. And she's got this whole idea. And she's like, I'm almost 80. And she goes, whole bunch of tangents like she can't niche down she's going to talk about las vegas because she wants to move there she's going to talk about yoga because she's good at yoga she was a ballerina she's like you know these people don't know what they're talking about so we're going to do yoga i'm almost 80 it's going to be fascinating that an 80 year old can do this i'm like yeah mom and she says you you and i are going to do this she goes but i really don't need a second career so we're going to do this i'm going to create all this stuff we're going to have a subscription program a membership program at ten dollars a month and we're going to sell exercise equipment and yoga bands 
hands and exercise balls and stuff. And she goes, and then I'm going to, I'm going to step aside and you can have the business. You're like, yeah, mom, I am free next week. <laughs> so we can just, you know, Is she not, just, you know, just live in the same state. Right? Crank it out and yeah, you know, yeah. we'll yeah. be done in a couple of weeks. This is a gift to me because, you know, you're, you, you don't have a following. So I'm going to get you a following. Yes. <laughs> like, she's she's right. worried about the legacy that she's leaving. She wants to make sure you're taken care of. Yeah. So that's what my mom thinks of my business. She has yeah. no clue what I do. She doesn't know how much I make. Every once in a while I share, you know, stuff with her, but she doesn't really understand what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> parents. Hashtag parents. Um, my mother tries she really tries she wants to hear about it but her questions to find out more about it yeah. they always start with why would you do that yeah well my my mom the first or second maybe it was like a year and a half in she asked me what i do and she goes people pay you for that yeah and I say, she goes, and then she's like oh that's great and then the next question is but how many people a year are going to pay you for that? Yeah. It's like, it's like, listen to my real sound business advice that people are just not going to go for that. So it, it just always sounds like that. So I've kind of like banned her from using the word why when she talks to me. Yeah. Uh, so like, I, like, how many other entrepreneurs have family members who don't support or don't understand or whatever? Yeah. And then they, that's another thing they agonize over. Well, right. my family doesn't support me in this. So I can't do it because they think it's a bad idea. If I wait for my mom to approve all of my ideas, I'd still be in college, man. Right. <laughs> like, like what I hear a lot is, well, there's, there's people around me who are giving me good advice because, you know, it's like, really, what is realistic for me? Oh, and, oh don't, don't get me started. I have like episodes and episodes about that word. Uh, I'm like, you know, they're like, they're giving me good advice. You know, they're saying like, yeah, but do people like, can, would that really happen? Would people really buy that? Would, like, they, they make really good points. I'm like, I tell people, unless they are your ideal client, or they are somebody who has made it in your field, like they know about your field, yeah. their advice just, I'm sorry, it just doesn't count. It's not helpful. It just comes out of fear, out of protection, out of them not knowing, out of them being afraid for you, for failing. Yeah. So I always tell people like, you know, it's okay for like them to be interested in everything. Just you need to understand that it will get in your head. It right. will it will bring your mindset down, and it's not something that is helpful. So I've I've had, uh, you know, like, kind of like a my own way of handling of shielding myself from that, and that is that I don't really talk about my business anymore, which is is really sad because I love my business. I love talking about this. This is what I do. This is what I wish I were doing all day long. And then I go to a, a birthday party in my family, and I come off as very very quiet. <laughs> so I'm not. I'm a very gregarious. I love life. I love to talk. I love to have fun. But the truth is that a lot of things like on my mind are marketing related, are business related, are growth related. I want to help you. I want to, but like I'm, I just present myself to be like very quiet. And I'm like, nobody wants to ask me about the things that I do or that I like. And I don't really I want will. to. I will. I'll yeah. go to the birthday party with you. Thank you, Iggy. So it's, it's, very, it's very weird, but I just want everybody, if, if you're listening, if you have family members that are like that, you know, give them a little bit of compassion. Just know that you don't report to them, right? Well, like, 
what you said was very true that it comes from a space of protection and not knowing. And when mm -hmm. people don't know something, they're scared about it. And then they get scared for you, yeah. right? They love you. They don't want to see you get hurt. They don't want to see you waste time or money. And so they come off as a, oh, that's not a good idea. But really, anytime you're talking to somebody, right? Good or bad, their perspective is based on their experiences, their triggers, they're good and bad, you know, in their life. And so sometimes my clients will say something to me and I'm like, that sounds like a great idea. Go do it. You know? And they're like, well, wow, you're the only person that is backing me on this. I'm like, well, who the heck are you talking to? Yeah. Right. Well, you have to surround yourself. Now this goes into, you know, the, who you surround yourself with is really important. Mm -hmm. You know, I surround myself with people like you, mm -hmm. people who are, ambitious people who are really into their business people who love to talk business right <laughs> it's fun for us like we, we sound like total nerds but whatever we love it um you know and and when you surround yourself with people who don't have that ceiling limit or that mindset limit then it just fuels you to go do the things you know would i have thought four years ago that i have a ninety thousand dollar program now right no, I was struggling with the, oh my gosh, if, if she's going to pay me four or 5k, I better stuff in all these other things. You know, I had this one client I was so much into, I had to please her because I, oh, she paid $4,500. Big whoop-de-doo. Right, right, right. <laughs> it was really worth it. And I gave her like, I don't know, $40,000 worth of value inside it. Show up to the um, coaching call and she's like, here's my Google Doc and here's my spreadsheet. And can you, all of a sudden I was her admin. Oh, right. Just because I was so like, let me people please, let me give you what I feel like, you know, you've paid me so much money for this and blah, blah, blah. That's just, you know, it's, it doesn't serve you, which we should get into the money thing. Can we just talk about that for a second? Like, yeah, sure. I, I want to know everything. So how do you go from charging $4,500 and feeling like, oh my God, like they better like it because they're paying so much money to having a $90,000 program where you're like, yeah, this is what it's worth. So this is <laughs> what you're going to pay. How do you go from there to there? Tell us. Okay. Well, can I first talk about my little pet peeve about people who are starting out saying, I'm going to, I'm going to make a program that's $50 or $97. And I am, please hear this when I'm saying, I am not saying that there's no place in the world for lower end products. That's not what I'm saying at all. But the people who start out and go, I'm going to do that because they think it's easy. Yeah. And they're making their life totally difficult. When people come into my Easy Writer program, I'm like, you need to have at least a 3K program if you want to make 6K from this book. You need to have at least that three. And they're like, oh, how could I possibly do that? I haven't charged more than a 197, you know? And, and sometimes I'm just giving it away for free. Number one, draw a line in the sand. Stop giving away stuff for free. Um, but... In terms of math, because I am an actuarial math major, right? Right. 
The math, the math doesn't work out. Like mm -hmm. I talk about book math, but this is really more like business math. The math doesn't work out. Like my mom was like, we're going to get a thousand people into our subscription program at $10. And I said, how many subscribers do you think you need to get for that? And then you're going to have this recurring membership. And then there's a churn rate, like people who are dropping out and then people you have to replace. It doesn't just, oh, you got a thousand people and then you just stay with a thousand people forever. Right. right? You are going to work just as hard for a $5 sale on a book profit, right? As you will a 50,000 or a 90K or a $100,000 program. You're going to work just as hard to market it. If you think about, you know, I know you know this, when we market our free challenges or mini courses or whatever that we do, we're working just as hard for that launch as we are for the actual launch. Right. Yes, it feeds into it, I guess, you know, for the actual launch of our program, but you're working just as hard. Why make your life so difficult, yeah. right? So, so many people are like, oh, I'll start out at 50 and then I'll move it to 500. Then I'll move it to 1,000. Then I'll move it to, okay. Mercedes-Benz, Bentley, Tesla did not join the market and say, I am going to join into the market and I'm going to have prices like a Kia or a Saturn or a whatever. And then after people get the awesome car, I'm going to slowly inch it up. No, they went, I am going after the luxury market and this is what my price is. And they put it out, right? Mm -hmm. You want to be the coach. You want to be the person that people aspire to work with, not the people that they're settling for because that's all they can afford. The mm -hmm. type of client you get is going to be better. The work is going to be more rewarding. And those people are going to actually execute on the stuff that they're supposed to execute. Yeah. So, sorry, that was my pet peeve about it's, it's really hard starting when you have zero people to sell stuff to that you're going to go out and sell something at 10 bucks and get a thousand people in. You're going to work really hard. Why not just find that one person who's willing to pay you three, five or 10 K because you're already worth it and you don't need to prove it to anybody yeah. to get what they want. And what they want is that outcome, that benefit, whatever it is, right? At the end, you know, you can deliver it. It's just that you're scared because all these people are like, oh my gosh, how can you even do that? Oh yeah, you can do that. Yeah. And wouldn't the story be so much nicer to say, I showed up on the scene and, you know, I just started charging 10K because, um, I think for me, it was a bit of an evolution again, mm -hmm. you know, in my mindset, it was all about mindset. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's not about, oh, let me just declare this price, but you do have to believe in that price. Right. You have to be able to spit out the price without stuttering over it or being embarrassed. People can feel that energy. You yeah. know, it used to be people go like, oh my gosh, 10K is a lot. You know, when my price was 10K, that's a lot. And then I'd launch in this whole thing of, yeah, but you're getting this and you're getting that and you're blah, 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 blah. And now when people go, wow, so, you know, let, let's take my 30K program. So, we talk about that one fairly often. People are like, wow, 30K, that's a lot. Uh-huh. Do you want what it's going to get you in the end or not? And then people try to discount you. Okay, here's the thing. Oh, I was the queen of let me discount a few. That's another Asian thing. <laughs> get a coupon. Let's get a discount. Let's buy it for the cheapest that we can. You know, so I got these like conflicting things in my mind about you know the Asian upbringing and and giving people a really great deal and then like the value of what you're worth. Yeah. Um. So there were times that people haggled me, and those were the most 
horrific experiences ever because once they haggle you, they think they're the boss. I'm not like, that's, that's a loose term, right? Um, so that when you come into the coaching conversation, they are really, they've already kind of taken you down yeah. from where you were, like not a pedestal, but professionally, right? Mm-hmm. They've taken you down because they've already realized that they have the upper hand in essence because they've haggled you and they've, you know, whatever. So now whenever people are like, well, can you do a discount? Can you this? Can you that? Well, which part of it don't you want? Do you right. want to write three quarters of the book? Do you want to partially launch it to bestseller? Do you want to sell half the amount of books? Do you want to only get half the amount of clients? Like which part do you not want? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I want it all. Well, I don't want to tell you then, you know, and, and it is, really is true that when people really want what it is you deliver, they're going to find a way in order to do that. Yeah. You know, we're notorious for, we just want what we want and we're going to go get what we want. Yeah. And I also think that there's a lot to be said for qualifying a client in that way. I remember a story from, and things that have happened to me too. I remember a story from Amy Porterfield that she said in her podcast that she had um, made, she had organized this live event where she had only invited certain people from her audience. It was by invitation only. And it was the people who had really been stars, who had been like great in their programs and everything. And she got this letter from somebody who had been following since she had launched 10 years before saying like, I can't believe that I didn't get an invitation. I have signed up for all of your programs. I have always been there, blah, 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 blah. Like, I can't believe you wouldn't invite me. I've always been there for you. Amy felt so bad that she gave her a free ticket to come and be a part of this group. What she was going to be doing, it was like a huge like market research thing, but a providing value, right? Like for her to really get to know that audience. And she invi- she's like, you know what? She discussed it with her team. She came back. She says, she's right. It was all in her head. Like she's like, she's right. I should have invited her. I'm just going to do it. She invites her. She comes in and she's the most entitled person in the entire group. She uh, came with this like air of like, yeah, like you said, like once you give that away, then they're in charge, right? Mm -hmm. So that entitlement has paid off. And she said she created this whole toxic experience that would have been an amazing day that just drained everybody's energy. So I think there's a lot to be said because I've been in sales calls that are like that. I've been in sales calls that are great that I say my price and the person on the other side is like, yeah, that's, that, that's what I figured. Let's, let's just get started. And they are amazing. They're happy that they pay that amount to work with me. Right. And they don't give up. They like, they box me. They come to every meeting. They take everything out. Like even things that are not like real business related or that we've talked about in the program, they ask me about it just because they have my attention. Mm -hmm. And then you have other people who want to like discount it, who want to, uh, who who say, and I've, I've had somebody say this to me in a sales call. It's like, well, it's my choice whether I want to join your program, right? So you should just give me all the information that I'm asking for because it's up to me to join it. And I'm like, is it? It's up to me to work with somebody I know is going to be successful. That's why the qualification process is there. That's why the price is there. Is this the kind of person who would go to every length to take advantage of a program that was not easy 
to get. That was not easy to get into because if it was easy, then everybody would do it. And it's like a free t-shirt that you got at a concert. Where is it? Is the last shirt in your drawer? Is the one that you pick up to clean milk off the floor, right? Uh, so it matters. Like the, the price that you do have to believe in it and say it without stuttering. And you got to understand that not everybody is going to be able to sign up and that is going to be okay. Right. And yeah, that, that's a good point too. You know, everybody's not going to be able to sign up and you don't have to chase after everybody because there's plenty of people in the world right. that are going to resonate and like what you're doing, what you're saying, your personality. Because, you know, you and I, we're pretty, we're pretty like dramatic sometimes. Not everybody loves that. Can you right. I'm appalled that people would not enjoy us what i know right there are people out there who don't and that's perfectly fine because i'm not going to change who i am you're not going to change who you are but in the beginning i tried to fit some sort of mold that this is how you're supposed to show up this is what you're supposed to do this is i had people telling me like vicky i don't like what you're wearing you know and you know i love my clothes and my style like and my shoes and whatever i know right like can i help you with something (laughs) <laughs> people people would be like, Vicky, I don't really think that that dress works well for your photo shoot. Or I don't think this was a good one. I had a dress and sorry, I'm short. So because I'm short, I can't like certain lengths of skirt don't look, they just make my legs look stubbier. I'm sorry. Right. right. Well, anyways, I was, I was wearing um, this dress and apparently some people thought that the skirt was too short whatever. So I had made this banner and I put it out and I'm just like, so what do you guys think? Do you like this? Do you not? And I'm kind of on the side of it, kind of leaning back, whatever. A couple of people were like, well, if you're going to use this professionally, I don't think that that skirt is appropriate. And you're like, my legs look great. What are you talking about? (laughs) I'm like, I'm sorry if I'm hot. (laughs) no um, I I did end up using it and then I got a slew of people going oh my gosh that is so amazing really love it it's so perfect it's so you it's whatever it's a pink dress and it's got this cape that flows in the back uh yeah I'm using it hello yeah people who relate to you who really want to work with you are gonna like you because of you Mm -hmm. right so you be your you be yourself and I, I know that is so hard especially when you're starting it's like yeah but who is myself right and it's hard because I remember my first podcast, I was trying to be Mark Maron. Like you, if you listen to the cadence of my voice in my very first podcast, like I was even talking like him. It was the same format. Same. I almost got myself a cat just so that I could talk about it. Like you like, you like try to mimic the things that you see, right? But in that process, you start to evolve and you start to really find your voice and find yourself. So there's nothing wrong with being yourself. Um, so... Vicky, any parting words? Because I have two more questions for you and then we need to wrap it up because we could be here another hour. Oh, I know. We totally could. We have to do it again because we didn't even get to the part that we talked about getting to six figures and what a million dollars in the bank feels like. Oh my God. Okay. Just, just tell me. Just tell me. Well, okay. You hit six figures and it's kind of like when you hit t- you know, 10K and you go, oh, was that it? I'm sorry if it's a letdown to anybody, but no, it's, it is, it is super exciting. Okay. I, I'm not going to say that it's not super exciting, but then you go, okay, I hit the six figures. Right. And then you just create another thing. 
to, to go aim for. And then when you really evaluate it and go, okay, I hit six figures, but I got to give away 30. I don't mean to be depressing, but like 30% to taxes, 10 to 20% to advertising, X amount of money to the VA and the other people that you're helping. And then it's like, what am I left with? Well, that's not so exciting anymore. Right. You know, like the, for me, I've always done that backward math. And I've always taken account taxes and whatever, just I think because of my financial background, my numbers background, because I don't want to be surprised at the end. So hitting six figures is great. And it's this coveted number that everybody always talks about. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you, half a million is better. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) I I feel like we all needed to hear that half a million is better than six. I'm going to tell you something about that, because I think you're, you're totally right in that when we're talking about making money in our businesses, we're not talking about making a salary. Mm-hmm. It's not the money that you bring home. What we're talking about here is we're CEOs. We have a business that has gotten some revenue and there's going to be some operating expenses and there's going to be taxes and there's going to be assets and liabilities. And in the end, you reach a six-figure mark and that's not what you took home. Yeah. Right? So I, I always ask people, like, I think I did this in my last challenge. I asked everybody, when you hear that a, a business is making six figures, what do you think about profit or do you think about revenue? And there are a lot of people like, oh, we're thinking profit. I'm like, well, that's not what oh, people really? are paying you. <laughs> I never think that. I'm just like, well, I don't care. Tell me what you took home. That's what I want to know. Right. So I just watched the, the um, Paris Hilton documentary on YouTube. Did you see that? No, I have not. Um, I just watched it and she's like, she's like a total workaholic. She gets paid a million dollars to go DJ one night. She gets paid hundreds of thousands of dollars just to do photo shoots, to be, a, um, to advertise. She's like, I, I can never be pictured in the same outfit twice, right? Like I, I sometimes I do three different outfit changes in one day, right? Like that is her brand. That's what she does. That's what she gets paid for. So they were asking her, like, do you think that you and the brand would ever like get a divorce? You like, you would go a different way. She's like, it would be a very expensive divorce. And it's like, well, what is your goal? She's like, I want to make it to the billion. I want to be like a self-made billionaire. And I'm here asking myself this question. It's like, she's not talking about making a billion dollars a year. She's talking about having made a billion dollars in her business. So that's something that everybody has to be aware of is that we're here creating businesses. We're not here creating necessarily like a salary that you're going to be drawing from. So if you want a six-figure salary, the half a million is probably going to be a much safer bet. Yep. Yep. And, and when you think about having a million dollars in the bank, that's mm-hmm. not enough to retire on. Exactly. The cost of inflation goes, you know, the, the cost of living, I'm sorry, inflation goes up every year. Um, there, the research says that there's going to be more and more millionaires in the world, but that's not because it's such a huge number. It's because it's not worth as much as it used to be worth. Right. And when you think about getting to, I don't know, 60, I'm just going to say 60, to retire early, right? If you only have a million dollars and you plan on living till you're 30, it's not much of a life, or 30 more years, I mean, to Mm -hmm. to 90, it's not really that great of a life if you only have a million dollars in the bank. Right, right. So I think that this is something that has been on my mind a lot because this is something that's, this is how I started out. It's like, I, I want to make the million. I want to make the million. I want to make the million. But like you said, it's very nuanced. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know what? I'm, I'm doing something that I love, that I prefer, Vicky, to be here talking to you all day long than to be sitting in an office somewhere 
busting my butt for a company out there. I'm doing what I love to do. So will I be making a million dollars in the yeah. future? Like, certainly, like I want, you know, I want more money to come in. I, I want it all, right? But mm -hmm. I can never enjoy what I do or enjoy that, that windfall that will come if yeah. I'm not enjoying exactly what I do right now. So I just had a question come in last week where somebody said, is there a gap in the market for this particular demographic that I could go and fill? I'm like, that would be a really bad way to pick your niche. Mm -hmm. Don't Starbucks be didn't do that. There were plenty of coffee shops all over the place when Starbucks entered the market. Right. So it's not, it's not about the gap. It's about where are your passions? Where are the things that you want to do that you want to be known for, that you want to write a book about, yeah. that you want to be on the TED stage about? Yeah. And it's the value too. I think too many entrepreneurs come from a corporate background where they take mm -hmm. and they divide out their, what they want to make hourly. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Can't do that because most entrepreneurs will forget the overhead the lights, the desk, the computer, the advertising, the time that they're spending on social media because they don't really have, there's no money exchange or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and you have to add all those things in yeah. and think about the value you're delivering versus your, your hourly rate. Because I, yeah. I love what you keep saying. We're not, we're not creating a job, right. right? We're CEOs of businesses. And when we think in that way, we're not thinking hourly wage. Mm -hmm. We're thinking here's a package and this is what I'm delivering. This is the value. Mm -hmm. Take it or leave it. Do you want it or not? You know? Exactly. And there's room for everybody out there, right? Like there is no, like I, if my mother was listening to this right now, it's like, but why would anybody create a $90,000 package? Number one, who would buy that number two? Like, why is there something like, why does that exist? Like there is so much room for every price point, for every offer, for every personality out there that there's certainly room for whoever is listening to me right now. There's room for you with your personality, with your offers at the price point that you have it. There's always room for it. And just go and be yourself and market it in any way you can. I mean, be yourself. Like, this is the best part about having an online business. It's just yeah. being yourself in front of a camera and not caring if there are going to be people out there who don't like you. It's like, you know, there's a lot of other people you could be following right now, right? Yeah. Like, you don't <laughs> have to be here. So, but you want to be. Yeah. So, it's just, it's just I, to me, this is like the best business to be in in the world is the business of being yourself and giving your expertise to others and helping them up you know it's yeah. like your ninety thousand dollar program helps people up helps people get to a much higher level than they would have without it so yeah i i love everything you're saying about the values it's just so true and thank you for dispelling the six figures because i want everybody to continue to think about that we're ceos we're not just creating a job with a salary Mm -hmm. love it cool so drop the mic boom this is the best conversation i've had all week so <laughs> two questions for you number one what do you think is the biggest misconception that people have about you about having reached the level of success that you have reached Ooh, about me um misconception uh, that it's super easy and then I roll out of bed like this. <laughs> yeah. 
Like this just happened. Now I'm not saying that it's not easy because I'm not about struggle. You know what I mean? Like, I don't believe that we have to make it hard. Like we've, most of the world has grown up with the philosophy that you work hard, then you get your reward. Mm-hmm. That's not true. You can work easy. You don't have to work 50 zillion hours. I do not work like 40 hours a week. I work like I was calculating. I'm just like, do I work? I think it's 12 hours a week or something mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you don't have to make it hard, but we, we tend to make it hard. Um, so that's not what I mean about like the word easy. I totally believe in ease and flow and manifesting and attracting and energy and all that stuff. I totally believe in that, which mm-hmm. we need like five more episodes, I think, you know, I think so. Like the whole <laughs> mindset thing for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. So for me, I tell people like, you know, be prepared for this to not be an easy road. Like there will be challenges. There will be, I I think of it kind of as a staircase. You can either stay in one step or meet the next challenge and meet the next challenge. And you can call every single one of those steps in that staircase. You can call that a failure. If your first attempt, you didn't make it up there. You can call that a failure and call it a day. Or you can acknowledge that with every challenge comes a different challenge, right? Um, And the mindset is really what stops more, most people. It's not like you can create a whole list of reasons why not that have to do with your strategy and your niche and your everything. But it's if you're in your mind, you have not freed yourself up to say, I deserve all of this and I know where to go. It's not going anywhere. So I think that's how I interpret what you say about it not being easy. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, just not something exactly. everybody's doing. If, if my husband says to me, yeah. Because now he's growing his business online, which he never did before. He was a ah. for all those years, for like 20 some years. So he's a definite straight corporate guy. Um, and he just looks at me and goes, it's like you're not scared of anything. And I mean, that's not true. It's like what we were talking about before. You have the fears, you have the triggers, you have the stuff come up because we all do. We're humans, right? It's what you do with that afterwards. Whether that fear comes up and you go, that's ridiculous. That's really not true. But you know, this fear still comes up, yeah. right? Um, do, you, do you go ahead and do what you need to do anyway? Or do you sit there and go, let me wait until the fear passes? And it, trust me, it's not going to just pass on its own. Yeah. Fear and confidence only disappear when you take action on whatever it is. Yes. I say this all the freaking time. That- <laughs> Your confidence, it, it lags behind the action. It's not going to fall in your lap. Yeah, oh. it, it doesn't precede the action taking. It, it just lags a little behind you. Take the action and you're like, you're dragging your confidence behind you. Like that, that's how, how I picture it. So like, go and do it. So my second question is more of a call to action. I'm giving you the power to talk to the entire world right now. And for the next 24 hours, in the next 24 hours, they have to do whatever you are about to tell them to do to make their lives better, to create the business they want, to like move forward in their life. What is that one thing everybody has to do in the next 24 hours? Say no to one person. Mm. Tell me more. Say no to one person who wants and is interested in your program reject them instead of chasing after them that one like hit me like like right here it's like (laughs) you gotta right Mm -hmm. let the right people in 
we waste so much energy and, and I see it as little strings, like, you know, that are just sucking our energy. Yeah. And there's this person who said to you, I'm in, but they never gave you their credit card. You are hanging on that they're going to come back. Are you not? And then you're just cut the string, tell them no. Yeah. Should have told them no in the first place, but you know what? Tell them no now. Yeah. Whether it's like for real, you're going to call them up and tell them no, or you're just like saying no yeah. in your mind. Like, no, I don't want them anyway. Do you really want to have a client that you have to drag along? <sighs> Kicking and screaming and you got to convince them. And you, no, you don't. You want the ones that are like, heck yes, I am in. I'm all in. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. I can't believe that I'm actually working with you. Ah! Yeah. That's the person that you want. Yeah. So say no in the next 24 hours to somebody. Love it. I love it. In the famous words of Melissa Farr, mm -hmm. drag them in, drag them around. Mm, yeah. So you just don't do that to yourself. Mm -hmm. And once you're in a sales call where that person is all in, no matter what the price was and excited to start, you will know what that feels like. And you won't, you won't settle for anything less than that. So, Vicky, this has been a pleasure. Thank you, so much. Thank you so much for taking the time. So tell me, how can people find you and follow you? Well, you already told them about VickyGould.com. Just make sure that you spell it right. It's I-E-N-G-O-U. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there's also my new website that is at MorningOakPublishing.com. Yay. So there's that. So those are two places. Um, if you want to connect with me, loved your friend would love friend requests on Facebook. I'm on Facebook way, 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 way too much. But that's that's my stomping ground. I love Facebook. Um, and I have a Facebook group. It's called Write Your Biz Book. Um, it's Biz B I Z. So Write Your Biz Book, and it's a free group. There's like 60 second tips from me, um, challenges and the units and whatever. So if you don't know where you want to start that would be a really great place to start. Awesome. I'm going to put all of those links in the description. Vicky, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited for everything you have going on and everybody should go and follow you right now. So thank you, Vicky. Uh, thanks for having me on. It was really fun. Bye. Hey there, Ina here. After this interview, you may be wondering, should you be thinking about writing a book if you're an online coach looking to make it big? I'll answer this and a couple of questions from you listeners all about how to enable your business to survive the pandemic, even if it's hard to find clients when they're in lockdown. All of this will be in the companion episode coming up next, where I'll teach you three things that Vicky Gold is doing very right in her business. So make sure to hit the subscribe button on your podcasting app and watch for the companion episode coming up next. And send me a question for the Q&A segment in the companion episode. Go to theglobalphenomenonpodcast.com and I will answer your question on the air. I'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to The Global Phenomenon with Ina Kobeny. Join the conversation inside the Facebook group at theglobalphenomenon.com slash Facebook. Listen to new interviews every Monday and learn with a companion episode every Thursday. This podcast was created by Ina Kobeny, music by Jared LaBelle, and this was the voice of Kip Clark.